0: Welcome to Gathering Gold, a podcast for highly sensitive souls. I'm Cheryl Paul, a counselor trained in the Jungian depth psychological tradition. And I'm Victoria Russell,
1: Cheryl's niece and co-host.
0: This podcast explores some of the themes highlighted in my book, The Wisdom of Anxiety, and my Conscious Transitions blog. Join us as we dive into the realms of our inner worlds to ask deep questions, grow more self-trust and self-love, and embrace sensitivity, creativity, and the rhythms of the natural world. If you would like to connect with me, Victoria, and others in the Gathering Gold listener community and support the podcast to help us continue our work, please consider joining our Patreon patreon.com slash gathering gold.
1: To learn more about Cheryl's course offerings, including courses to support you in breaking free from anxiety in all forms, learning to trust yourself, and becoming more comfortable with uncertainty, please visit Cheryl's website, conscious-transitions.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Cheryl is at Wisdom of Anxiety, and I am at Perennials Podcast. Thank you for listening. Today we are talking about attraction, and this is something that came up in our Relationship Anxiety episode with Katie, and Katie spoke so beautifully about how her ideas about attraction changed entirely when she met her husband, found your work, Cheryl, and your work really gives a very different understanding of attraction than typically exists in pop culture and media and a lot of the things that we grow up with. And I was thinking about what were some of the earliest representations I saw of attraction, like when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about cartoons Hmm. and being a little kid and watching like Mickey Mouse or Space Jam, which coincidentally, your husband, I believe, worked on the computer animation (laughs) in Space Jam. (laughs) Side note. (laughs) That's funny. Great job to him, by the way. (laughs) And, you know, in Space Jam, there's like Bugs Bunny meeting Lola Bunny and... I was just thinking about how there's often an anthropomorphized male character Mm -hmm. who looks up and sees a female character and there's just this instant either kind of sweet lovey dovey like heart eyes, (laughs) heart beating in the chest Mm -hmm. and or this kind of more sexual like Aruga, like that (laughs) eyes like (laughs) bulging out of the head Mm -hmm. and the female character is maybe one or the other or some combination of sweet and dainty and flirty with like long eyelashes and a Mm. twirly skirt or she's like voluptuous and sexy and you know she might kind of like giggle and blush at him or maybe she will brush him off and be like, as if, you know, (laughs) but it planted these ideas really early on about what is attraction and what was represented was, I mean, first of all, there was definitely very much a male gaze and very narrow ideas about what it means to be an attractive woman. Mm -hmm. But there was also like cat and mouse, pursuer, distancer, (laughs) and there was just, this very immediate instantaneous super physical visceral uh either very romantic or sexualized Mm -hmm. reaction that we saw happen right away so it got me thinking like it might sound funny because they're cartoons and they're not even human characters but i don't think those messages and representations are all that far off from a lot of the like hollywood representations that you talk about as being really seen as this is what attraction is in
0: our culture. Yes. I love that you're starting there, Victoria, because I wouldn't say it's not even far off. I would say that's exactly what the adult representation is. And the fact that those images are, Disseminated to children as young as, I don't know, one, six months old, two, however old we were when we started watching cartoons, that the imprint is so deep, such a deeply ingrained imprint of this is how it goes. This is what to expect. This is how you should look. This is the response that you should expect from somebody else or within yourself. And all of that is pretty darn sick to send somebody so young such a distorted message around love, sexuality, and attraction. It perfectly and tragically encapsulates so much of what is wrong in the messaging system, in the portrayal of relationships. In our culture. So then we grow up. We think that's how it's supposed to look, be, and feel. We wonder what's wrong when it doesn't look and feel that way. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with my partner? Breeding ground for relationship anxiety. If you look up and suddenly your partner doesn't look as attractive as they did five minutes ago, or as you thought that they were supposed to look, or you never had those instantaneous feelings of attraction and inloveness. So that speaks all to the attraction piece, to what we call chemistry. Then there's this sort of very related conversation around feeling in love, infatuation, which, as we talked about in that episode with Katie, sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And one of the most damaging messages in the culture around love, sexuality, in loveness, infatuation, those feelings, attraction, is that we get the message that it's either there or it's not. And if it's not there, there's something wrong. Cut your losses. Walk away go find somebody with whom you have that kind of chemistry, where it's instantaneous, where it's fireworks. And again, such a damaging message. That is quite pervasive in the mainstream. When I talk about attraction on my blog, when I post something on YouTube or on Instagram, there's almost always somebody who says something snarky and, in my opinion, pretty ignorant. Like, well, if you think your partner's an ugly, whatever, you know, like something Mm. insulting and so wrong, if that's what you think, then you should just walk away. And it's so crass. It misses the whole point. It's, it's on such a tiny little superficial layer that people are now, to be fair, very, very rare. It's, it's, among the vast sea of people that i'm speaking to that's that's a lone voice that's not the primary voice but i think that voice is representative of a vast much vaster sea of people that i'm speaking to who carry that belief and even the people i'm speaking to carry the belief but they're trying to find another belief system that is healthier that you know also not every culture in the world, believes the way Americans believe around attraction and around these words like chemistry. So it's a very Western way of seeing romantic love that not everyone in the world agrees with, abides by, teaches their young. Right.
1: Do you think there's kind of a sense of... FOMO, like fear of missing out, this idea that you should have a partner that just checks like every single box you can imagine to the highest degree. And if you don't feel like you want to tear your partner's clothes off all the time, well, you're just missing out on something like really important that you shouldn't be denying yourself. Do you think that's
0: part of it? Absolutely. More now than ever in today's culture where we are given the message that you should have it all, you should have everything that you want all the time in every way, and if you don't have it all that you are missing out, you're denying your true essence, you're denying yourself something, and my response is, yes, you are denying yourself something because that's the nature of being a human being, especially a human being in relationship to other human beings. there's always going to be something. Not quite right, something that falls short of a hope or an expectation, but I think it's so critically important to understand what the unrealistic expectations are that are separate from maybe a longing you might have to share a certain thing with your partner and they just don't share that thing with you and so you have to accept that versus expecting yourself to feel a certain way all the time. I'm supposed to be attracted to my partner every second of every day, morning, noon, and night. I'm supposed to want to rip their clothes off. I'm supposed to want to have sex X number of times a week. And if we're not doing that, there's something wrong. So these are pretty deeply ingrained messages in the culture that are hard to get past. And then when you're in a real relationship with somebody who is available, where it's not the pursuer, distance, or dynamic that, you know, Mickey Mouse or whoever was, was portraying um, with the instant chase, instant heartbeating out of ch- – I can mm-hmm. just see that. I see it. Mm-hmm. I must have watched those a thousand times as well. But if it's not that, if it's not the chase and it's somebody who's available, the reality is so different, so very different from what we grow up seeing. So then so there's the cartoons and then there's the teen romances and the, the teen dramas and then there's adult romantic comedies. And it's the same exact theme continued into adulthood. And then there's this other layer that I rarely see discussed around the topic of attraction which is how fear alters our perception. And that's what Katie was speaking to, and that's what I took a clip from Sarah's interview from the Break Free From Relationship Anxiety course. Um, And this is really the essence of my Open Your Heart course, which is that when you are able to identify how your fear shows up and take counteractions that can soften the fear We transform. We shift from fear eyes to clear eyes. We literally see differently. We work through shoulds and expectations. We work through the walls that come up to try to protect ourselves from taking the risk of loving. And our partners look different. We actually see them as they are. And to me, that's the true definition of attraction. It's essence to essence, heart to heart, character to character. Who is this person in their soul, in their being? Right. And that—that's what shines through in the physical layers, and that's what is enduring and sustaining. That's what's going to see you through aging, when the physical changes. Right, you might. Think your 30 year old partner is super hot, but they're going to look really different when they're 60 and when they're 80. And so, if there's not something else underneath that that's actually responsible for the quote unquote hot, like what you're actually calling hot is something deeper that is enduring and sustaining. If that's not there, if it's purely a superficial attraction, you're really in big trouble. No. Luckily, that's not the people who find their way to my work. They right? they are drawn to. And that's how also how I define attraction and chemistry. It's someone that you are drawn to, like in Katie's interview when she said, "I just feel safe. It feels like home." I hear that all the time. Right? My partner feels like home. I am drawn to be near them. To sit close to them. And for some people that might be A trigger, there might be a trigger that comes up around sitting close, but there's still something that keeps drawing you toward the person that you love. And so this conversation around how fear distorts perception, we might hear about it in other realms of life, but we rarely hear about it regarding intimate relationships. And how if you just take that surface line, I'm just not attracted to my partner, and you don't unpack it, you might be walking away from a wonderful match. If you don't understand that you are projecting something else onto the screen of your partner's face or nose or whatever it is that you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. so there's so many layers I always think in terms of the wheel the wheels that that I share in my courses, the center of the wheel is lack of attraction and we have spokes coming off of it and there's the spoke of the cultural download that we are all subject to and so unpacking that cultural download and then also looking at how am I still perpetuating that how do I How am I – for example, um, I get a lot of men who I think struggle a lot with the attraction spike. I think men in general might suffer more from lack of attraction than women. That's what I've noticed. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come up for women. It definitely does. But I think this is an area where men receive – an even stronger download, like the story you shared at the beginning, right? It's the male character who is smitten, like, having like the groinal sexual response, instantaneous sexual response. And I think there is this message, and I don't know if it's scientifically true or not, that Boys are more visual. Men are more visual. I kind of think that's something to do with the patriarchy. I don't know that that is like a biological truth. But it's something that I hear men kind of go to as a reason why they're so stuck on why I'm just not attracted to my wife. And everything I've heard leads me to believe that that means my marriage is doomed because there has to be that, that is non-negotiable foundational. And yet when we unpack that, what we discover is that you actually are very attracted to your wife. Again, not every minute of every day, but that the lack of attraction is so largely a function of a disconnect somewhere, right? And so that's another spoke on the attraction wheel. There's the cultural download. There's fear and how fear distorts perception. And then there's, I think maybe the most important piece that Katie also spoke to is that attraction is a function of connection. When you're connected to each other, you're not actually really thinking, Am I attracted or not? And if you are, you're like, wow, my partner's so beautiful. They're so handsome. They look so hot right now. They're so adorable. Because you're looking through different eyes. And so the fear spoke is more of your own internal experience. The the fear scripts that are accompanying you that predate your partner, that you go into a relationship with because of your history around relationships. Relationships mean getting hurt. Relationships mean betrayal. Relationships mean losing myself or losing my partner. Relationship essentially means hurt and loss, right, in a nutshell. And so that creates the barricade of fear around the heart. And then that alters how we see. And then there's this field of connection and vulnerability. And what creates true connection is the willingness to be vulnerable, both people. And so that's why, in the initial free ride stage, Where hearts are open, whether there's head over heels infatuation or not, there is often a stage in the earlier times of a relationship where hearts are more open, unfettered, fear hasn't entered the picture yet, and you feel attracted. You feel in love. Why? Because you're being vulnerable with each other. Fear hasn't come in yet for, for both of you. So the heart is open, and when the heart is open, attraction naturally follows, and feelings of of being love, loving feelings. That's what an open heart is. And there are tools and skills to help us reopen the heart. Now again, hearts don't stay open. That's not a permanent state. Hearts open and hearts close. But to believe, to latch onto the cultural belief that once attraction and love feelings fade, that's it, you're doomed, time to walk away, right, is very short sighted, very limited, and often very tragic because you can go from partner to partner to partner having that experience. And that's often when people will find me, especially men who will say, I've done this four times. I'm ready to stop. I recognize that the limitation is inside of me, and I want to rewire. And it is a rewiring process that we take in terms of addressing those fear beliefs and then taking actions that help us to open our heart and shift perception.
1: So much there.
0: Well, I just like talked incessantly and in, like a No, month.
1: it's so good. I'm thinking about the fear around mm-hmm. attraction and the fear yes. of like is it not enough? You know, the fear of uh, maybe I'm not attracted enough or they're not attractive enough or some- along those lines. And then mm-hmm. I'm wondering I'm wondering if that, you know, cartoonish version. Mm. also creates fear of attraction. So like, do you find people come to you and say, I'm so freaked out because I haven't been feeling as attracted to my partner, but I I saw this guy at a coffee shop today and I, I felt attracted to him and, and mm-hmm. they're like terrified.
0: Yes. It comes up all the time for people with so much guilt, like whispering Mhm. this guy or this girl the gym and um and also it's connected to often this idea of a type um and that person is really my type right and i i just explode the whole idea of a type i think yeah. that's absurd i i truly think it's absurd i don't know where that came from um but It's a hook for people, right? And so you're going along, you are struggling with your partner, maybe not feeling so attracted, really not feeling so drawn to them because there's some struggle internally or between you that's limiting connection. And then there's some new and novel person like, ooh, right? And because we do give it so much power, then anxious brain can hook onto that as if it means something. When... Really, it means absolutely nothing, right? It means no more than like, "Ooh, what a cute cat!" Like it's just we're just noticing people. We're just noticing this person who looks like that, and we like the way that that looks, and it's an appreciation of beauty or an appreciation of style or whatever it is. Now, there's a deeper piece there as well, where people get very scared when. Um, let's say somebody shows up repeatedly in your dream life or somebody from college or high school or, um, a trainer, your trainer at the gym or even your therapist. And this, now we're in the realm of kind of a different conversation. It'd be interesting to do a different episode on it. and have a blog post on falling in love with other people. And from a Jungian perspective, what's actually happening there is a transference, is a projection where there's some element of that person that you are longing to introject and grow inside of your own self. So that guy in high school that was super social and funny and outgoing, and maybe those are qualities that you're hoping to grow inside of you. But again, it speaks to the conversation of how superficial we are as a culture, that we take everything at face value. We mm-hmm. don't understand psychological depth and the unconscious and projection. And when people do understand that, it's incredibly comforting and relieving. And it's a whole different lens to look through, right? Because it it takes the charge out of those momentary Um, crushes or longings or whatever we want to call that experience that people have. And that there's a way to address it that not only is incredibly responsible, but is um, life-affirming and growth-producing, right? That none of that actually means what you think it does. And so, same with attraction in relationship. It doesn't mean what you think it does. It doesn't mean what the culture has brainwashed you from a very early age to think it is.
1: That speaks so well to the stories that we make up mm-hmm. as soon as we, I mean, just all the time, but Even in these specific scenarios of looking at our partner, having some sort of thought or reaction and making up a story right away about, oh, my God, we don't really love each other. We're not right for each other. Or, you know, looking at your coworker and having a thought or feeling and going like, wow, I didn't realize they were my soulmate, but I guess they're my soulmate. (laughs) And it's it's based on these stories that we make up right yes yes and i uh, to me like i don't know a couple of years ago something really shifted in my perspective where i was just like i i mean i think what you're saying about projection is fascinating and really helpful and i also had this moment of being like wow i appreciate human beings <laughs> like mm-hmm. when i look if i if i Find someone attractive. um, For one thing, I think it often has more to do with how people are than we even realize. Well, at least for me, like maybe there's an element of their physical appearance, but there might it might also be their confidence or their kindness or their humor or their skill. Um, And to like I just started going like, yeah, humans are awesome and I can see beauty in people and be drawn to to people and all of this is normal being attracted to people other than your partner is normal not always finding your partner attractive is normal it's all normal and it's all part of being
0: human yes it's such an important message that we somehow miss that most people don't know that there is infinite room for our thoughts, feelings, experiences. Of course, there's not infinite room for actions, right? Given the parameters that and the boundaries that you and your partner have in your relationship. But we're not talking about actions. We're talking about just living in a human body and having very normal human experiences. Thoughts, feelings. And it's critical to normalize all of that. It's one of the things I hear every single day in my work is I feel so guilty because of the thoughts that I've had about my partner because of relationship anxiety, such horrible thoughts. And my response is always, they're just thoughts. They're not horrible thoughts. They're just thoughts. You feel horrible about them. You feel like they're, you're, you're judging them as horrible thoughts because you don't know that thoughts are just thoughts. And feelings are just feelings. And what matters is the actions that we take. I think that gets at
1: something you talk about a lot, that idea of what you water will grow. Mm -hmm. Part of the action is like how you treat the thought that you have. Yes. And if you spiral down into rumination, you're watering that thought as opposed right. to if you go like, oh, yeah, I I appreciate that, that human over there. Or, oh, I thought my partner looked pretty weird in that lighting, but that's fine. That's not a big mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're watering
0: something different. Exactly. And it's really at the heart of this particular course of Open Your Heart is what are those actions that we can take that water The healthy mindsets, I call them love laws and loving actions, that lead to an open heart. And again, an open heart is a heart that is seeing essence to essence, core to core, that is unfettered, where the fear is softened. I don't know that we're ever free of fear. It's just not the main actor in our play. Like Jim Carrey says, like we decide the actions we take. Are they based in love or based in fear? Are we feeding that fear and guilt mindset that's going to shut us down? It's going to close us off. That's going to cause us to retract and withdraw. Or are we feeding the loving, the love? which to me is really the truth, that love is truth. And that when we we water and when we take action, that is counter to fear, not dismissing it, not trying to banish it, because we know that doesn't work, but giving it a place at the table, just not the head seat, and taking the actions that move us closer. To ourselves, to our partners. Then it's then it's the whole world. Then it's everything. Then it's connection. And that's what we're seeking. It's like we have it all wrong. The focus on attraction and sexual spark, the focus needs to be on connection. Right? Mm. And I I think we're moving in that direction because of all the research and information around attachment that's come out much more into the mainstream in the past five or ten years, we're starting to understand that attachment, which is connection, is everything. That's what makes us feel safe. And when we feel safe, we open our hearts, and then, then there's no problem in the realm of attraction. I think what's really interesting too
1: is kind of the fixed mindset versus growth mindset Mm. idea, like with so many things, including attraction with our partner. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of us just have downloaded this message that it's there or it's not, and you shouldn't have to put effort in and if you have to put effort in that in and of itself means that there's something wrong. Yes. And I think this is such a vulnerable topic because like because of all the messaging we've gotten nobody wants to hurt their partner or mm-hmm. set themselves up for judgment by talking about it and so it just festers inside of people, right? Yes. And I think that's why your work, of course, like open your heart or break free from relationship anxiety like i think they're so powerful for people because suddenly like i can talk about this and people aren't someone's not going to instantly tell me that there's something super wrong with me or my partner or our relationship and that actually it's okay and even necessary to make choices about actions so that i can tend to my connection with my partner, we tend to our connection together. So yes, I'm curious, do you have some favorite loving actions that you talk about in the open your heart course that help people to strengthen
0: connection with their partner? Yes. So I have, I think there are, I don't know how many, I haven't counted how many loving actions I share. They are very specific. Um, And some are on the spot, things to do in the moment, and some are deeper dive foundational loving actions. So some of the on the spot ones are, um, and this one usually gets a lot of comments and action activity on the forum, is notice the need to nag and criticize.
1: Oh, Cheryl. Basically, stop. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Say it again for the people in the back. And the people in the back are me.
0: (laughs) And me. (laughs) Oh. Oh, boy. Yeah. The need to nag and criticize. And what it is the loving action of zipping the lip. Just zip the lip. And don't say it because that is watering the weed. That is watering what you don't want to grow. That is bringing negativity into the relationship and it will shut you down and shut your partner down so fast, as we all know. We all know how well that goes, right? And we all know, I mean, many people know, the sort of volcanic energy inside what it takes to not speak. But like everything else, the more you practice, the quieter, the more diffuse that energy becomes, the more you practice not speaking. The more you practice speaking up, the louder it becomes, and you're just feeding that fire. But if you want the fire of criticism and nagging, which, you know, we have inherited, right? That's a download. and it's a download that often comes through the mother line. So we watch that happening growing up. We experience it happening, and then we do it to our partners. And it feels horrible, and we even feel it coming out of our mouths. How horrible it feels! It like it's like a rancid taste. It does not feel good, taste good, sound good. But it's a habit, and it's a habit that it's pretty important to break. It's like the Gottman five to one ratio right five loving statements compliments actions to your partner to one negative that's about how much we're allowed to nurture a a friendly garden right a happy garden of a committed relationship so you know i say that also with a lot of compassion and self-compassion and compassion for anybody struggling with that particular issue I think sometimes we can hear a number like that and it can activate <gasps> uh-oh. You no. Know, I say way more negatives than, you know, positives or whatever it is, but it's something to look at. It actually has a very powerful response when we start to zip the lip. It has a, it has a powerful action, consequence, effect. Very positive one. And then we're sort of left with that energy inside of our own selves when we don't speak it. And look, I'm still working on this one, you know, 20 plus years in. So I still watch how that, how that comes in. And it just happened today. You know, Dave came home with the wrong package of bagels. (laughs) I, you know, I could have so easily just not said something, but what did I say? That's the wrong package of bagels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and in that particular email and Open Your Heart, I tell a story about about Dave and how he's doing all these amazing things. And, like, I focus on the one part of all the amazingness. And it was the same today. He goes shopping, grocery shopping. He gets everything on our list. He comes home. There's all these greens and vegetables and beautiful. And, like, look how much he's, like, grown in terms of um health consciousness like i'm so proud of him and what do i say you got the wrong kind of bagels like oh
1: sometimes i will zip my lip and then like 6 hours later you know if something out. else happens and i'm like well earlier i could have said this and i didn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm like oops Oh, I know. It's hard. That's the worst, actually. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard. So that's one example of a loving action um, on the spot that I think is very relatable and also very doable. It doesn't mean it's easy, but we can do it. And the more we do it, the easier it becomes.
1: Is there some level of projection within that of like, is there a correlation, do you think, between level of self-criticism and level of
0: criticizing your partner? I would say yes. I would say because most of us on this podcast listening, us, are perfectionists. So we hold ourselves to a pretty mean standard. Mm. Right. And of course, that's going to then come out on our partners at times. Just unforgiving, right? Yeah. It's interesting how these things are all connected. Yes. yes. And that's one of the emails is on positive projection, which I don't think we talk about, I don't talk about nearly enough, is what happens when you're feeling really good and regulated and connected and self-compassionate inside and how that then, again, comes out into your partner and you Mm -hmm. see through different eyes. Mm Right. So another loving action um, that's coming to mind, title of one of the emails is, "Name your fear walls, but don't act on them." So noticing, noticing how fear shows up in your body, noticing the constriction, the tightness, noticing the tone in your voice, even if you're not saying anything, just like the voice that wants to come out. Um, noticing all the ways that fear shows up. And I give all kinds of examples of how fear shows up in relationships. And it's a practice to notice those, but not act from that place of fear. Again, so it's the action, which leads to one of the foundational actions, which is move toward. So move toward your partner whenever possible, despite, and not to sideline the fear, right to name it to know that it's there but to find a way to still move toward and that might look like another email title risk being vulnerable so that might sound and look like i'm noticing fear in my body right now i want i want to tell you about it and that doesn't mean sharing necessarily how the content of what it might sound like if you're in a, if you're in a spike if you're in an attraction spike It's not necessary to share that piece with your partner because it's probably going to be hurtful and it's not really what's happening anyway, right? That's just the messenger. That's how it, that's the top layer of how it's showing up. But underneath that is your own fear, your own projections and your own stories, and sometimes your own trauma, right? That could show up at any moment in a relationship. And so when we move toward, we first and foremost move toward ourselves, move toward the experience that we're having, naming it, noticing it, and then finding a vulnerable way. And this is, to me, black belt level work in relationships because very few people grew up witnessing vulnerability in action. I don't know anybody. Mm because partially this is a newer awareness that we're even like striving to be vulnerable i don't think that this was not even in the consciousness for our parents certainly not for our grandparents and i'm not sure that it was really safe to be vulnerable like we as we are increasing different ways of being safe we are it is safer to be vulnerable and so when we risk we risk being vulnerable it is a huge risk even to find the language for it, right, because we haven't seen it modeled. And then what that does when we're able to do it and our partner meets us there is our hearts fly open and the love is right there.
1: love that language of hearts opening and the way that you said earlier in the conversation your heart isn't going to be open all the time Mm -mm. and that grace for the ebbs and flows also this idea that attraction is not static it's Mm -hmm. not like you unlock something and that's it you're just in a constant state of attraction bliss (laughs) um yes but that you can you can grow connection Mm -hmm. and you can access it probably more often and deeper than you might have thought was possible or than you would if if you if you didn't turn
0: to loving actions yes and I'm so glad you're saying it that way and saying it Here because that is the goal of long term relationships, marriage. It's actually to become more in love and more attracted. I am more in love and more attracted to my husband than I have ever been. And I fully plan on continuing that until we are. 107. My kids always laugh at me when I talk about being in my hundreds, but I fully intend to to live that long. That is my intention. With my husband by my side. He's six years older, so he'll be, what, 113. Like, that's cool. Like, (laughs) but to me, that is – but the reason we are more in love and more attracted is because we do the work. Yes, it is work. It's not always work, but and by work I mean we've been devoted and committed to keep showing up for each other and and for ourselves, to sift through our fears and traumas and our wounds and find better ways of meeting them and meeting them together. Holding them together, and I'm thinking like some of it is fun
1: too, right? It's like, oh, we haven't done something new together in a while. Like, let's go do something new
0: together, um, or or things like that. Yes, but I think if there is junk in the way, doing something new together, <laughs> yeah, is not going to solve it. I'm <laughs>
1: picturing like angrily skateboarding <laughs> <Yeah>. together. <laughs>
0: like, well. <laughs> Maybe
1: this will do it. I'm still <laughs> mad about that thing that happened eight years ago. Um, yeah, but,
0: I get but, what you're saying. But yes, and you know, one of the things I always say to my clients who are struggling who have young children is, "When is the last time you were out of the house without your kids?" Yeah. So that's more of an on-the-spot, you know, practical action that we can take because it's so easy to lose each other in the busyness and chaos of family life. So no matter what was going on with Dave and I, even if there was stuff underneath the surface, as soon as we left the house and would like go out to dinner, we were just, we were right there, right? All the love, all the remembering, oh my gosh, I like you so much. Right. It was always right there, and it just yes, it just actually took leaving physically leaving the house without our children, so those pieces of advice those very practical actions are are important, and sadly, you see those couples who are out to dinner and don't have a lot to say to each other mm. and To me, that's because there's stuff in the way. Yeah. Right? It's not that they've stopped loving each other. And that's where the culture goes. We just fell out of love. Like, oh, BS. (laughs) Right? I do not buy that for one second. We just fell out of love. Like love is something you fall into like a puddle and then you just fall out? No. No. It's not that way. We make choices along the way. And when fear comes in, as it always will, and depending on degrees of trauma and attachment wounds and all of that will be the degree to which your heart shuts down and the degree to which fear comes in. But there will be roadblocks for every couple. And then we make a choice, right? How do we approach this? Are we approaching this together together? Are we willing to go to therapy individually and together? Is that an option for us? Is there a willingness to do that? Right? Are we willing to, you know, take a course? Like I have pe- couples, it, this is the course more than any other course that I offer that couples often take together. And I love mm. that. I love that. And FYI, I don't charge two twice. Like I'm like, yes, <laughs> you share this and you have this shared experience. Right, And if there's not deep trauma wounds, a lot of shift can happen from the course. If there Mm -hmm. are deep trauma wounds, then go to EFT couples therapy. A course like this is not going to solve those. That's beautiful. And
1: even just being willing to talk about this together, let alone take the course together, I think is – a step ahead a lot of people I think would be afraid to talk about this stuff together and to learn mm-hmm. this type of information together I'm really curious when you said that you and Dave are more in love and more attracted now is that a different does in love and attracted feel different than how you conceived of that long before any of this work maybe even before you met Dave? You know, like, mm. is it a different experience than Hollywood in love? Or like, do you know what I'm getting at?
0: Yes. Um, Katie said something similar to how I feel. It is so much better than the Hollywood version because it's rooted in something so deep. It's not like a flighty feeling of like giggly, and and that doesn't mean I can't be like giggly and you know silly and flirty with Dave in more of like a schoolgirl or teenage way, but it's rooted in profound levels of safety and trust that to me can only really come with time, right? And walking through hard things together, showing up for each other. So, you know, the Hollywood version, we don't even know what that looks like in a long-term relationship because most romantic comedies end when the couple finally gets together. Yeah. There are so few films that show marriage. In a healthy light. And where they do show marriage, they show the marriage falling apart and they show people Mm -hmm. having affairs and they show people who are just like, well, we outgrew each other. Mm. Those are the messages that we get about long term marriage from the media. So, Hollywood version is (laughs) so superficial, it's so silly. It has nothing to do with real life, right? It's just you know feelings that come about in the early stage of a relationship that are not rooted in anything solid and enduring. when I say I am in love more in love with my husband than I've ever been. how do i even describe that it's i'm not sure that i would even have words maybe it's something i will think more about and that i can share in our bonus episode it's just a knowing in my body no it's just it's it's a lived daily experience it's the language that we that we have developed for those tricky moments where we used to get so triggered and thrown into our worst, scariest alone places that we now reach across Mm. that threshold and reach for each other and take each other's hands. To me, there's nothing better in this world Because it's attachment at its very best. It's what we are longing for, all of us, is to have that truly safe person. And from there, hearts open, bodies open, sexuality opens. It's rooted in connection, safety, and attachment. And these are things that not only we can grow over time, but we must. It can only happen over time.
1: Oh man! Oh, so beautiful. That brought me tears to my eyes.
0: Oh. <laughs> it is so beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing. No. And it's so very possible for couples. Way more possible than we think it is.
1: Well, if people want to find out more about your Open Your Heart course,
0: where should they?
1: Look where should
0: they go? Yes, so I'm very excited because I this was the first course I released, um, first 30 day course I released, I should say, ten years ago, in 2013, and I think it was the first time you came. We should have started here. I think it was the <laughs> first time you came to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, was May 2013, and that was when I first released this course. And I remember doing one of the calls while you were here somewhere. (laughs) Um, so it's just amazing that that was 10 years ago. It's amazing that we do this podcast together now when we were like strangers, you know, um, like just like dipping our toes into the waters of our relationship. Um, so I am, and I haven't run it live for two years. So I'm very excited because I have gone back and, reread all the emails. I'm excited that it has not only withstood the test of time, but that um, so much of science that's come out around attachment and neurobiology supports what I was sharing, what I am sharing. And so I've, I've, I've updated the emails to weave some of that in and um, I'm updating some of the weekly videos as well. And so, because I recorded it on a like a flip phone or something. <laughs> like it was oh 2015. Yeah, it's the worst recordings. <laughs> They're such bad quality. Um, and that's part of the reason why I wasn't running it live because honestly, I just felt like embarrassed that the quality of the videos were so bad. And so because I have more energy now, I am going back in, re recording those videos, adding new information. Um, it's on my website under courses, open your heart. And the next live round, I think, starts March 25th. Um, I'm also running it at a discounted rate in honor of the 10-year anniversary. So it's $50 less than it normally is. Um, And I'm just super jazzed. I'm really excited about it. So on my website, under courses, open your heart. You'll see it there. You'll see the new video there. Just got uploaded. Yep.
1: Ready to go. Yay! Very exciting. Thank you, Cheryl.
0: Thank you, Victoria.